Hi, I'm Youngmi Mayer. And I'm Brian Park. And we're your hosts of Feeling Asian, a podcast where two Asians talk about their feelings. We explore and process our experiences with sex, dating, survival, self-worth, and everything in between. We also invite guests to talk about their own experiences, too. Some recent ones include Michelle Zahner of Japanese Breakfast, Ki Kwan... Bowen Yang, and the list goes on and on. Feeling Asian has had a pretty exciting year so far after being named a top podcast of 2021 by CNN and being featured on Apple and Spotify's homepages. We hope the podcast is creating a compassionate space for Asians, Asian Americans, and Asians in America to be themselves without feeling as if their time is a fleeting moment. Tune into Feeling Asian every Wednesday for new episodes. up y'all i'm amanda seals and listen i get it we're in some serious times so i think some of y'all forgot i'm a comic she had them jokes i mean you forgot i had a whole hbo comedy special you forgot i showed love to how black women give compliments okay polka dots and from shade to how white women move in corporate america stop cc'ing all these unnecessary people on these goddamn emails i get it we've been pooped up for a long time that's why the Amanda Seals Black Outside Again Comedy Tour is coming to a city near you. Go to amandaseals.com today and get your tickets so we can laugh and learn our way through this madness together. How black am I going to have to get? Jessa and me are going to be doing some stand-up in a town near you if you live near one of the following towns. Salt Lake City, July 12th. Hokiam. Hokiam. Have we come up with a... It's Hokiam. Hokiam. Hokiam for a dream on July 13th. (laughs) Yakima, Washington, July 14th. Uh, Tacoma, Washington on July 17th. Chehalis, Washington, July 18th. And then Boise, Idaho, July 20th, 21st, and 22nd. Be there or be somewhere else. Sure, free Mormon in the meth head is great, but have you tried just giving us money? (laughs) (gasps) I haven't yet. Tell me more. Go to patreon.com, Mormon in the meth head, and for $5, you can get bonus episodes. You can see videos of me just laughing for (gasps) no reason. You can hear a podcast with our kids on it. And you'll hear interviews that we do with other people who also have podcasts. <laughs> wow, this sounds great. I'm going to check that out. What was that address again? Patreon.com backslash forward slash one of the slashes Mormon in the Method. We just lined up our chakras, so you better watch the fuck out. <laughs> You're listening to Mormon in the Method. If you put a Mormon and a Method together, this is what they sound like. So read our friends, listen to them talking to Mike. I had a car when I was this is this is uh, what it's like to be my parent. Okay. So when I started doing stand up, I left my ex husband. We'd always just had one car. And I moved into my parents' house and then I went to buy a car and I did my credit was too fucked up to buy a car. So I called my stepdad who who he and my mom still live together, but they didn't they barely communicated. So he was my go to when I wanted to do stuff that my mom wouldn't go for. And he co signed for a car for me. 
And then that was my road card on while I was doing stand up. So immediately after I start doing meth, I'm driving in downtown Portland and I hear this loud pop noise and then my car will only drive in reverse. I think that's what it was. If I remember correctly, it would only drive what? in reverse. Yeah, it was something really weird. Like I barely got it off the road. Mm-hmm. I, I, I almost positive is that it would only drive in reverse, but don't okay. uh, hold me to that. Anyway, some I somehow I get it up. I get it to the side of the road and I leave it. And for some reason, I know that I've dropped the transmission. For some re- for some reason, I'm convinced that that is what has happened. I have dropped okay. the transmission or something like that. Some that shit sounds that I heard. real. Yeah, and um, so I have my friend. I'm like, well, I can't. I'm not going to pay for it anyway because I'm a meth addict now. I was a fresh meth addict, so I paid this tweaker to steal it and drive it into the river. Like that was the just go drive it into a body of water. Why? So that I could say it was stolen, and then my parents could claim it on the insurance. It would get paid off, and I wouldn't be fucking them over oh, financially. Okay. So right. this was me trying to be a good kid. Okay, good for you. So, uh, sweetheart. Unfortunately, my stepdad just stopped paying the insurance on the card. So, on the oh. car. So the next day when I called him, he was like, "The car's not insured," and I was like, "Fuck!" So I called the tweaker, and I'm like, "Did you already get rid of the card?" And he's like, "Yeah, I already handled it." So what he means by handled it is he drove it backwards up into a parking garage. Yes, it only goes in reverse. And parked it. He then sliced. <laughs> he just drove it backwards. How far? Oh, my God. Uh, he then sliced all of the interior with a knife. Okay. He busted the front off of the... Uh, off, like, just... The door to the the um, glove box, and then just broke all the glass or something like just just vandalized it basically, and left. But what's it the point of the parking, the parking garage? And just just left it in the parking garage where it accrued a thousand dollars in parking fees. Wait a minute. So wait, no one ever at the parking garage per- reported this vandalized car. They just yeah, let so it sit there and kept putting the, tickets on it? Maybe he didn't fuck the glass up. Well, I don't think they put tickets on it, but at some point there was some type of audit where they okay. were like, man, this car's been here for a minute. Okay. And so then my mom... Uh, I was imagining months. just some asshole meter maid walking by, <laughs> seeing a car that was just like busted glass and just right, just being like, well, you should have moved maybe it. Maybe he didn't break the glass. I know the inside of the car, like there was nothing salvageable on the inside of the car. And it was just annoyingly, like the horn was broken off. Like it was just annoyingly... <laughs> Wait, uh, so did you go back and see it? No. Oh. I'm like full-blown tweaker by now. My okay. mom was furious. Wait a minute. They f- So... So they called my and contacted my mom, who's still making car payments on this car because it wasn't insured. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, God. So then she's just stuck with this, like, super vandalized car. And did and they then, make her pay the parking fine? Yeah, she had to pay the parking fines. She had oh to pay my. for the car. She then had to get everything replaced inside of it. And it was uh, it was just a belt. <laughs> what do you mean? What? That was all that was wrong with that car. Uh, I'm, I'm. We'll have to ask her later. And I can't just... remember all the details, but it was some like two hundred dollars. <laughs> oh my! And I costed her thousands of dollars. So then she fixes the car. My poor fucking mom. She fixes the car, and then my stepdad takes it. 
uh, as his car, but then just keeps like lending it to me. <laughs> I stole my mom's car one time in the middle of the night. The first time I ever did ecstasy, I just took her car in the middle of the night to go to the dance club, did ecstasy. They have a thing called Saturday Market in Portland. Okay. And uh, it takes place under the under a bridge that is a parking lot when it's not Saturday Market. So it's okay. Friday night. I parked my mom's car, went in. So I was like, sure, this is a good time to try ecstasy. Got so fucked up on ecstasy that I forgot to move my mom's car so her car gets towed and i'm like i'm too i'm like rolling for till three o'clock in the afternoon the next day so she's like trying to get a hold of me i'm hiding out at some dude's house like just i'm too high to get my mom's car you're the worst daughter <laughs> you're the worst uh, i just stole her car and forgot to fucking Put it, I used to sneak out and forget to... I would get so uh, like high on psychedelics and I would forget to sneak back in. Oh, the worst. Yeah, I don't so, know. I can't think of a single bad thing that I did. I know. <laughs> like, it's I so crazy. I can't think of anything I did. Like, no, nothing like that. Oh, I guess... I could remember one time I, I just didn't text my mom... <laughs> That that we were gonna go out to like a diner after this. Like I went to see some friends play with like, and you know their uh, their parents had driven, and I was supposed to text and say, "Hey, is it okay if we go out to Denny's or something?" But I thought that they would say no, so I just said, "I'm not gonna text them." No, so you forgot. And then I got home, you know, like midnight or something. It was late. It was whatever yeah. it was. It was late, and my mom was asleep in my bed oh. <laughs> when i got home i got turned on my light and my mom's like, <laughs> like <I'm laughs> out from under the covers <laughs> and i'm like <laughs> and she was like where have you been oh my god where have you been and that was the worst thing i ever did to them yeah that's real similar real similar <laughs> to uh thousands of dollars oh god We'll have to ask her that story later because I, I feel like I messed up some of the details. Uh. But I um have not stopped talking about voices. Are you sick of hearing and me? And the about voices yet? have not stopped talking about <laughs> you. They will not shut up. It's just Jessa, 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 Jessa. <laughs> and Jessa's like, voices, 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 voices. And it's like, get married. Ugh. This is new relationship energy. Yeah. yeah. Voices, me and the voices in my head. Uh, but no, you haven't. St- I'm not tired of it. I think they're cool. Here's what I think. Jesse hears voices, you guys. No. Okay. So when I say voices, so we are taught that every thought in your head is just this one stream of consciousness. Just your brain has these thoughts, right? But so like the aliens told me, by the way, if this is your first time listening to the podcast, go back to the beginning. Go back to the beginning. Go back to the beginning. Otherwise, I'm going to sound more nuts than I than sound she really needs to, you know. So the alien said that our body that we come that we uh, that we come back over and over again, our true self comes back over and over again, and we experience life in the physical body. And the physical body, you get a new one every time. And the physical body has its own artificial intelligence, and that is like your conscious mind. That is your ego, and that you are experiencing life kind of first person shooter through the eyes of this ego. And but that ego is not you, that your true self is coexisting with this ego. And so a lot of like spiritual practices and things that I try to do early on 
we're trying to kill the ego, crush the ego. Like, and I eventually learned to coexist with the ego as like a, just a loud kind of slightly annoying roommate. So when I have a good show, I'm throwing the ego a bone. It gets to feel real good. It's kind of the loud monkey mind. I call it the big voice. Cause then you also though, you have the small voice that is your true self. And those are two different voices, but we think it's one voice. But if you really step back and let it come into focus, you have those internal debates with yourself, right? You yes. have the like, uh, you feel... Constantly, I'm worried yeah. about stuff where I'm, uh, and I go back and forth on something. Yeah. But when you first, ta- first said voices to me, um, it didn't resonate because I'm like, oh, well, I don't... I mean, I have those debates, but they're both in my voice there's a that's you know yeah it's, they're both it's just me it feels it, they don't feel separate yeah it's just me you know i just feel like i'm talking to myself right but that's because we but they have a different tone right because when i say stuff like voices people think like audibly i don't have a, like a duffel bag telling me to kill people i mean <laughs> there is a different tone one is loud one gets its bruised you know, when other people don't like you, it gets super affected. Uh, I call it the Jessa that understands how everything works. That's just very rational and can look at things from the big picture and has this over, this kind of overlying uh, philosophy of life that is like, okay, but this and this and this is how it works. And I know that I feel this way because I feel like the ego is very much connected to feelings mm-hmm. and experiences things like jealousy. And then it'll just be about something I'm jealous about or insecure about. And then the the part of me that understands how everything works is like much quieter, but is like, uh, nobody's thinking about you. They're all just thinking about themselves. You are worried about what people are thinking about you, but they are just sitting somewhere worrying about what people are thinking about them. Nobody gives a fuck, you know? And so... This small voice I have learned and cultivated a relationship with for two decades now to where when I was driving down from Portland, I, this voice was like a uh, slow down. Like if, if I, if I am tuned into this voice and have, and have shut the loud roommate up enough, I will instinctually know when I, every single speed trap, there was at least seven speed traps between the way up to Portland and the way back that I knew like three minutes ahead of time to slow down. If I can be in a place where I'm like this kind of meditative state where I'm just tuned into that voice, I can do any, like I am just so tuned into the environment. And that's the same Jessa understands how everything works voice. I think so. So it's not just like conscious knowledge that you have. It's also. Yeah. uh, The Jessa that understands how everything works, I think is, is, is plugged into a collective consciousness and that's why she understands how everything works. She's very separate from emotions, fears, not just things you've learned personally firsthand. Exactly. Mm -hmm. It's she can, that voice can give you insight and tell you and tell you, teach you things. Yeah. Okay. So like if I have an interaction with you and you hurt my feelings, monkey mind is like meh but me and me and like meh. but then the Jessa that understands how everything works can look at what you said and know why you said it understand where you were coming from and 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 completely separate from how it affected me and just put herself in your shoes 
very objective. Very, so when I'm in that place, when I'm tuned into that place, that's it. it's just very easy for me to forgive things. It's very easy for me to let things slide. Very easy to detach from outcomes. Very easy for me to see why things are in my ultimately in my best good. But if you've been taught your whole life that this loud ass fucking roommate is who you are, you're just experiencing life through something that is so easily hurt, easily affected, uh, not very good at putting itself back together, not very good at pulling itself out of the rafters. And so you're just kind of tossed around by life. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I think that a lot of like uh, enlightenment and waking up is learning to start to tune in more to the small voice. And what I have been talking about later or lately is what if there is not just these two? Because I have had some experiences recently with the voice from when I was younger, this voice that tells you nobody, nobody loves you. Nobody cares about you. Uh, you're not good at anything. The voice that tells you that. Oh, you mean my inner monologue? Yes, oh, exactly. Okay. <laughs> and so many people's inner monologue. And I haven't heard from this voice in so long. And I think I thought because kind of when I went through the, the first alien thing and my, my sense of self-worth changed during that time. I like, that's when I learned to love myself. That's when I learned to accept myself for who I am. And if I don't like something, I have the option of changing it. Like none of this is written in stone. I'm not married to any of this. If I don't like something about myself, I can change it for myself not for other people, but that I learned to really stop seeing myself through other people's eyes because I stopped, I stopped seeing myself through my ego. So my ego still does that. I still feel it when people don't like me, but I feel it on that side. And I know that that side does, is an illusion. This voice, a bully, is how I was talking to Mary Rizinski about it. I was describing it and she was like, I was just talking about this voice because this voice projects onto people you care about this voice like I, I've, I've had weekends entire weekends where I'm locked in my room with anxiety and depression and can't do anything or talk to anyone because I'm I feel I, the crushing weight of this voice just yeah again this is just me every day <laughs> this happens to me all the time but I know I know that feeling I re I resonate with that um it's uh so to believe that that's you talking to you because it's it's speaking in first person you know it's speaking in uh nobody cares about me can i tell the experience that i had yes i just realized that that voice wasn't me and it did come at the end of like three weeks of you talking about voices. This I yeah. I know that we were talking about it in like uh, in our we did an interview with Paul Gilmartin yeah. uh, from the Mental Illness Happy Hour podcast. Uh, that's going to be on our Patreon mm -hmm. at some point in time. But it, with him, we were talking about voices. This is I got the into of me weird. Being I got into weird stuff about colors that uh no one responded to and i felt super stupid <laughs> i had just had like my first like experience i was like okay i think i can i think i get what jess is talking about and i had had so i i was having a day where i was super wound up and i decided to uh lay on my bed and uh think about it i had an hour i was like let's just think let's just think this through and fix yourself 
And so I got a little high first, and I just want to put that in as a disclaimer uh, for the weird stuff I'm about to say. The I just feel like the 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 weed, as I was thinking about it, helped me to visualize in a way that I couldn't before, and I f- really did feel that wound up, super anxious and aggressive voice being like I could I could see it. I I I saw it as as a part of me and not as all of me. And I saw it on the right side of my face, and it was red. And then there was this other voice that was a lot smaller, took up less space. Because the, the the red voice went from, like, the bottom of my jaw all the way up uh, to, like, my temple. Like, that whole side of my face. And on the other side, on the left side, just small, just right up by the temple uh, in blue, was this calmer voice that was, like, talking it down. And I sat there, and I, and I like, I could, as I had different thoughts in my head i could see these these parts of my head lighting up you know and it was just this uh really cool weird uh drug experience but i was i felt like i was like oh okay i get that i can see that and then there was a third you know i was gonna leave it out because i still feel so weird about it i don't the i all right then there was a there there was a uh third light in in this like you know black silhouette of my head that i was that i was imagining i had there was a third bright it was the smallest of the three and it was white and it was at the very top of my head so it was higher higher up than uh than the than the little uh blue one on the left and the big red one on the right and it was like centered at the top of my head it was white and it was little and it did not talk to the big red voice and it was thoughts were like really kind of far away, but it felt like it was talking to the blue voice. And now I feel so fucking weird. <laughs> Are you feel weird on this podcast? Uh, <laughs> the stuff I've said. Yeah, um, maybe. I don't know. What if we? Okay, so what? I think that maybe we exist in a room. Have I talked about uh, like first person shooter versus RPG? Have I talked about that on our podcast? I believe if not, you have. a quick overview. So according to the aliens, uh, the life that we're experiencing in the physical body is like a first person shooter through the eyes of this physical body. And that is primarily experienced, primarily experienced through the ego. But that your actual self is, and I always point above my right shoulder is uh, playing like an RPG. So that that version of yourself is looking down and can see the whole picture, is deciding what it wants to experience, puts things into motion, and then watches them play out. But that's not as exciting because you're not actually experiencing that. I believe where we actually exist, where this consciousness is taking place, is not inside of our brain. That we are actually somewhere else. Like our true self. That it feels like we're experiencing it in this physical body because we are somehow connected to this physical body, but that the consciousness that you hear in your mind is taking place somewhere else. And what if that somewhere else is a room? Cause it feels like a room to me with multiple pieces of yourself that just because you were taught your entire life is one thing. You have just always seen it as one thing. And now we are starting to realize that there are multiple pieces of ourselves. And what if some of the people in the room shouldn't be in the room? When I say people, I don't mean separate things or pieces of yourself, but 
so what the aliens said demons were because the aliens went through and explained everything from the bible and was like yeah this is all uh legit but you guys turned it into a religion which is weird and they said that demons were what i would now describe as a program but this was this was like 2000 so there i didn't have all this uh computer uh analogies that i could use yeah so a lot of the 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 game stuff that they said i my brain back then made it into like um larping i guess because i didn't have virtual reality and stuff wasn't the sims and stuff wasn't so prevalent that i could be like oh this is what they meant but they said that demons weren't these like scary devils it was just negative thought patterns energies that would you would adopt as pieces of yourself but they weren't really pieces of yourself and then when they ran their mouth you would believe that they were you and they would motivate you to do things that were just detrimental to you so that would essentially be like a virus on your computer or a program that's running and the example that stood out was jealousy where jealousy is just running its mouth in your head saying a bunch of stuff that's almost never true but is such a detrimental jealousy does so much damage to relationships and uh, holds so many people envy believing that because someone else has something you can't also have it is such a limiting belief it holds people back i mean people in comedy waste so much time and energy bitching about what other comedians had and it's like it is an abundant universe dog you could go get that for yourself if you spent just a little less of your time and energy worrying about what other people have well, I think it's so interesting to think of jealousy as a, as a, one of these voices that you've been describing. Uh, I think that uh, would help people. That helped me wrap my mind around, you know, like saying, because it's just, I think a lot of people say, a lot of people are familiar with an idea of like the duality of man or saying there's a, there's a, a dark p part in all of us, you know, everybody's yeah. got good and bad. And then like, we say a lot of things like that, that I feel like we are comfortable acknowledging that there are different parts of ourself. And, and I think jealousy is a great example of something that is just so bad for you. Like so opposite of what you know to be true. Anytime we know when we catch ourselves getting jealous, we feel embarrassed because it's so dumb. Yeah. Well we know that there's like I know that there's nothing going on between him and her and I just and I know that uh she's she's totally mine and she loves me, but I'm jealous for no reason. Am I being threatened? No. Am I at risk to lose anything? No. Do what's my problem? You know? Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, to think of jealousy as something that's not a part necessarily of you, but something that's working in opposition towards you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's an infiltrator, a virus that's in your computer that's trying to uh, break you. I treat my consciousness like it is a computer and I treat... My God, the imagery that you were using last night when you were when we were talking about of going this out kinda, and taking out yeah when you when you were when you want to you talked about like ripping up the floorboards of your mind and pulling out the wiring and uh, re rerouting stuff like the it, the the words that you use make it very clear that you yeah you yeah, felt like a little Tron a little Tron guy like inside the computer changing stuff if i feel like something is um something is it's usually fear-based is costing me something that i want 
I will force, I call it, like, I will clockwork orange my mind. Like, if I'm afraid of something and being afraid of that something is holding me back in some way, I will force my mind into it. So if there's a situation where I'm jealous and the jealousy is getting in the way, I will force my mind to imagine the first I figured out is it is it fear of loss, which is what it usually is for me. Uh, we've talked about jealousy for you a lot of time is like competitiveness. For me, it's fear of loss. I think that somehow this person's going to take this person from me rather than uh, not that I've never tried to get an external security there, but that mm. that's false. Uh, I force my mind to accept all possible scenarios. So if I'm jealous of sex, I will force myself to think about them having sex until it, I'm desensitized to it. It no longer causes me pain. If I... Uh, You've turned that into a real kink. But that's a kink, yeah. <laughs> um, but that that is where that kink came from. But if I'm afraid of losing someone, I will force myself to think about all... like. Uh, imagine myself finding out that person's marrying someone else. Uh, picture uh, that conversation. Picture my life without them. Like I, until I have, uh, and sometimes this is an ongoing process, but until I have, rather than trying to hide from that trigger, and I talk all the time about those triggers. Like for me, triggers are telling you where you need work, and I don't like hiding from pain i don't think it helps i i think it makes you uh weaker and more like vulnerable in a bad way uh vulnerable to injury and i think that when there is a trigger and i catch myself getting triggered about something i treat my mind very much like i you have like you have to control your own mind someone is going to control your mind it should probably be you and i will just clockwork orange whatever i'm afraid of into my brain until i have become desensitized to it there are other things that if they are holding me back i treat them like a virus i find them inside of my consciousness and i rip them out social anxiety was keeping me from everything it was it was holding me back in my comedy career. It was uh, my life was boring for like ten straight years. I mean, I like building a family and everything, but like socially, <laughs> socially, my life was boring because yeah. I, I I was this super. Well, this was immediately person. after your meth years, so yeah. it's like seven years of feast and then famine. You just you you had fun. Now you should stay inside for a while. Yeah, and but it made it. It was extremely. I got clean. And the next day had crippling social anxiety, which I never had. I was very, I was one of these people that made friends with everyone I met. You could put me in a room and I just, just the whole room, I took over the whole room, uh, mostly uh, getting them to sign napkins uh, <laughs> with bullshit. But I, then I, I got high and killed it getting high. And then when I got clean, it was, I couldn't, I was so afraid of, I couldn't talk. I, I, I got a job in banquets, which you don't talk to the customers. And then when I tried to work in the a la carte restaurant, the first table I walked up to, I was like, and just had to turn around and walk away. And for years, it was these painful social interactions. And I just went further and further inside of myself. And after a decade, that was my entire identity. I'm Jessa. I'm awkward. I have social anxiety. Augie Smith took me to Omaha in like 2008 as his feature and uh, I was never invited back to the club. I, I did well on all the shows, but I did not, could not say hello to the manager every time we were around her. I would shut down. And like she took me to the uh, radio one morning and uh-huh. I got in the car and she was like, hey. And I was like, uh, uh, and then Augie was like 
dude, I like, you're weird. I get it. You're weird. But like, could you say hello to people? Like, this is insane. Like, I was fucked up. And I got progressively okay. But like two years ago, I was like, I'm never going to get anything. I've worked at Big Sky for three years and never talked to the industry because I can't. I can't. And I'm going to force myself to do it. And so I went inside of myself and I found where is this programming at? Where is this fear at? What is it connected to? What in my childhood? And I'm like in old storage rooms, digging through uh, file cabinets and pulling everything out and, and looking and then trying. And then in the physical world, I'm forcing myself to do everything that is hard and everything that's uncomfortable. And I had these, it was just a year of falling on my face. I would go hang out after shows and I, cause I only have two speeds, which is dead silence or telling you uh, the worst thing that's ever happened to me. Yeah. And then once I start, I can't stop because I get nervous and I can't stop. Uh-huh. And so people are like, uh, how many kids you have? And I'm like, three, three. I homeschool them. And uh, I believe that society, blah, 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 you know, and there's like hairs blowing back and shit. Yeah. And uh, a, a ton of just extremely <laughs> awkward social interactions. I transpose my words. If I'm around people, I don't know. That's where that happens. So if I'm in, so I, my brain won't, my conscious mind won't come up with. I'll like I'll uh, weirdly laugh no matter what the person's saying or I will <laughs> say the wrong sentence back or I will if I try to engage and I haven't actually engaged I will transpose words so that my sentences don't make any sense and I had to just do that I had to just force myself to do that until I could somehow it's like I was locked out of a room within myself and I had to get into that room and then learn how to work the controls again and so I never if I didn't know you and wasn't comfortable. That's a cool image. That's a cool image. Yeah. And so it was like, I I would say stuff. I wish I could think of examples. This was just like a year of me being like, yeah. And then the soap is the car. And people would be like, what? And it's like, fuck. Like, and inside my mind, I'm like, okay, well, that's not, (laughs) that's, I'm just making sound effects. Like, uh, and I force, I just force myself. I'm just not going to have social anxiety anymore. When I quit smoking, I didn't say I'm quitting smoking. I didn't make a big fucking production out of it because I watched so many people do it. I just said, I don't smoke. That's it. I'm a non-smoker. The day I quit smoking, I'm a non-smoker and I just didn't. So I, uh, did the same thing. I'm, I don't have social anxiety. I'm conquering social anxiety. I'm beating social anxiety. I am an extrovert. I am going to get good at this. And sometimes it'll come back. And uh, also... You have little panic attacks every now and then. Yeah. Like when you're around people, I mean, and you're just like, I'm going to go. Yeah. And you just sneak off. And then I force myself to go back. When I am under the influence, and this is another thing that I've really thought about in the last week, when I am under the influence of these parts of myself that are not good for me, under the influence of jealousy, I have kidnapped innocent teenagers. <laughs> Under the influence of social anxiety. We don't anxiety. know if she was innocent. <laughs> she did have hair on the right side of her head. Under the influence of social anxiety, I feel like everyone is looking at me through a fisheye lens. And everyone is squinting at me like, are you an idiot? And if I'm having a social anxiety moment while I'm on stage, I think I'm bombing. And it's ha- I've had to get to the point where I'm like, this is not real. This feels real. This is not real. And I wait it out like it's a bad trip. And I... So you you think of these... When, when you say you're listening to one of these voices that you say, I'm under the influence of... Yeah. Like, you know. And I mean, that also helps to further separate 
to see like the difference between you and this. Right. And knowing that you are not that. You're just acting under the influence of that. So what if there is a control room and there's all of these pieces of you in this room, some of which aren't in your best interest, and you have the option of kicking those out, but like you a really taught- like a really dark sequel to inside out where yes, yes. Where they, i think about <laughs> that of, all the time instead of, instead of just like ah, I, i'm i'm fear like and he's cute and he's anxious like he's a real evil dude that wants uh to ruin that girl's life yeah because uh-huh. i talk to people all the time about this is a great sequel we should write this i talk to people oh there'll be a good skit <laughs> i talk to people all the time about jealousy and they're like oh i'm jealous oh also that it's celebrated in this culture drives me insane because it's like well it's disgusting like it's it's disgusting in what ways is it celebrated like every like memes and everything else like it's like it's okay to uh make someone else responsible for your feelings of security and that uh, other bitches talking to my men like that this kind of idea of of owning someone where I jealousy is insatiable you cannot satisfy jealousy if I start telling you that you that so and so is making me feel jealous and then you stop talking to so and so that that's not going to fix it it's like a cancer it's just going to get worse and it's going to want to be fed more and fed more and fed more until I am, uh, I can't move. I'm going to how many, uh, who you like stuff on Instagram. I am, you know, because I've been jealous and it uh, sucks. It's the worst feeling. It's the, the walls are closing in on you and it doesn't shut the fuck up until it takes over your entire life. And under, nothing feels safe under the influence of jealousy. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times when I talk about the things I learned after a marriage full of jealousy and how awful the jealousy was, the experience of jealousy, and what I learned from that is that I can't hold on to someone. I can't, I have to find that peace within myself. And for me, it's it's holding on looser. And I've had people be like, oh, I can't do that. I'm very jealous. And it's like, well, it's a, it's a, it's a decision to have that be a part of you. So here's my theory. Uh, and I'm still, still kind of fleshing this out. I've been talking about it nonstop because I'm kind of working it out. So our, our room. I like that you do that, by the way. It's just it can, nonstop grind. Well, on no, it. well, it's just it can be very intense. It can be over. <laughs> it can be very overwhelming. But I think it's a cool attribute that you have, where uh, you you work on something. And yeah. Then, and then you work on it, 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 and then yeah. you work on it. Uh, this is how I get rid of something mental. I don't know. This might be too. I was just talking to my, my oldest friend, Roxana, who listens to this podcast and was telling me that people don't think about their thoughts, uh, like you and me. And I was like, that's not true. It doesn't everyone think about their thoughts. What do you mean? What do you mean? You don't think people think about dudes on Tinder now is they're like, so what are you into? Like, I don't know what they expect me to say. Fuck other people. (laughs) Is that how you get it? <laughs> if no one signs uh, up to get fucked by me, and they're like, well. Um. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the fear in their eyes. Is, uh, uh. <laughs> uh, message me on Facebook. Um. 
Um, I tell them that I spend my days thinking about the nature of consciousness and whether or not we live in a video game. And I cannot believe and the how same many, look of fear strikes their eyes. How many dudes go running? Like I just, it just saves me the time of having to say that my babysitter canceled. Cause I'm just like, <laughs> this will get rid of you. <laughs> oh. um, but it is all I am really ever truly thinking about. Me is- too. I just think that at the end of the day, the world like whatever this world is if it's a video game if there's an afterlife if there's a god uh at the end of the day you have what you perceive it all in your own brain right everything that happens whether it's real or simulated still gets processed in your brain your brain is all you have the i i love this monologue from true detective about the locked room there's an it's a locked you're just in there that's what that's what life is you experience it in your brain why wouldn't i spend some time looking around in there yeah why wouldn't I? this is all that my this life is, is all there is i should probably figure out why i think the things that i think and why i feel the things that i feel so i i, I love exploring my feelings i'm just like let's sit down and and think about this that's why i spent that hour on the bed where i was just like upset about tabitha shit and i was getting all kinds of anxious about different things it was i was supposed to go on the road and drive and i was like i think i would just like to take some time and and sit with my thoughts for a minute and i think i thought everyone did that no. Why wouldn't you do that? There are sometimes when I talk to people, I was like, oh my God, what? Is it just silence? Is it the static from old TVs happening in most people's heads? Because there is uh, not a lot, not a lot happening. But Roxana said that's also why uh, everyone else is happier than me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and I was like, them. I was like, oh, damn, that one, that one cut deep. Mm. Maybe I should stop. <laughs> but anyway, back to your theory. Okay. So we have the room where our consciousness is happening and that is a operating system and there are a ton of programs running in this operating system of your consciousness and you don't have to have the ones that suck. That none of them are innately part of you. They are things you have picked up, things that were passed on, things that your parents put into you, things that your experiences put into you. Who the fuck was just talking about how you can have one, oh, in that one meeting, uh, how you can have one experience and get burned and then just decide that that's how that experience is going to turn out oh, forever. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and Simon that's false. That. Yeah. So then you have all of these like fears and insecurities and things that you build up to be something else and they start to steer your life and you can just go through and clean the programming out and take out everything that doesn't serve you. And if you know that every voice in your head isn't one voice and that it isn't every program running isn't innately you, you can go through and remove these things and be become exactly what you want to be you also really need to finish season two of westworld i'm trying I, you just make you make it seven minutes into every episode and then fall <laughs> so asleep hard. and then i don't even get like you're like there's but, two different timelines <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's crazy all right so this isn't a spoil. i get nervous about spoilers because i have a brother who doesn't like want to know if i thought something was good like <laughs> Like, like he considers that a spoiler. Now he doesn't care. Like he just, he's just like, oh damn it! Well, now I, I, I know that it's good. Fuck. <laughs> I wanted to go in knowing nothing, uh, but yeah, this if you're uh, there's 
there's there's like a, two different timelines in this season and just i had no idea no i don't <laughs> I was like it's so hard what did you to... think happened like when the, this guy just like tr- uh traveled across like because he'll go for he's like with with one person yeah, i a, in a building that out. and then it's like and then he's like wearing different clothes looks different i was outside with three different characters and you're just like this show is fucking weird I don't know why Aaron keeps telling me to watch this show. <laughs> From what I can tell, it's about uh, a man who can bend space and time. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Westworld, you say? Okay. Westworld, got it. Oh, man. But this se- in this season... Okay, potential spoiler alert for the next minute and a half... Aaron is going to use a very good analogy that I didn't want to take out from the second season of Westworld. And the analogy is about kind of the premise of the second season of Westworld. So I don't think it ruins anything. But then again, I can't get through the first episode. But if it's something that you're picky about and you're someone who gets annoyed about the slightest spoiler uh, in lieu of sending us an email about it, please just fast forward for the next minute and a half. So, I mean, the, the show is about robots. For the people that don't know, it's about robots who uh, become sentient, right? And there is so much of your alien school uh, imagery at work in that show. Mm. It always makes me think of you. It always does. When you talk about playing a video game and, and like, living multiple lives and coming back again and again. Yeah. All this kind of stuff. But in season two, they, they start talking about voices. Do you because all these robots have programs they've all been programmed uh with like core beliefs and like that's what make that what they do in the park right? right they're just programmed to be the farmer's daughter that's their their program but in season two as these robots start waking up they start referring to their programs as voices they call them they call them voices Fuck. even Maeve is like it's she talks about how she hears a new voice now now that she is 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 waking up like all these robots have been questioning about like do i love this person because i love them or because uh i was programmed to love them did i have any choice at all this is a common theme and and like they're talking about these new voices which seem to be like their true selves like the ones that are that are behind everything and it's really it's really you're gonna love it once wow. you once you stay awake uh through <laughs> the opening credits <laughs> oh, all right we'll wrap wrap it up is that a sigh of uh no i'm just thinking should we record that that is that a spoiler like uh record that if you haven't watched westworld maybe yeah it was too much it's so fucking good but how long has that show been out yeah it just it just ended it just ended so we go back and and put a spoiler perfect though but it really yeah this is why i hope people are checking out like i don't know we've got a subreddit that is lightly populated and i feel like it is the perfect place for more further discussion of mormon and the method because I, I think reddit lends itself to like cool debates and stuff but it's also got a layer anonymity. of yeah, yeah exactly so when we're talking about taboo stuff like we usually do yeah or if you don't want to admit that you solve voices and colors one time in your head yeah. you can do it uh on our subreddit but while speaking of that we've got a facebook page that you can like a facebook group that you can join 
Patreon. A Patreon. Uh, Method.com. You get two bonus episodes every month where we interview other people. There's also a couple segments that are starting. And then if we have any videos or extra content that goes with an episode, we put it on the Patreon. Uh, we are also going to be in Salt Lake City. Yeah. I just found out that they let meth heads in Utah. They do. You're totally allowed. It's a common misconception. That's excellent. So You're that the, is June 12th. Almost. That was a couple weeks ago. <laughs> uh, you were doing... I'm, I'm not... I'm very proud of you still. Uh, <laughs> I usually you guys make Aaron do Jess, all of this. <laughs> Jess's relationship with time is so strange. <laughs> It's just, uh, she'll book something at Wise Guys at like June 12th next year just to be right about this. She'll be like, no, I, I see the future. And that's, I was just getting, I was hearing a different voice, the future voice when I did that. But uh, July 12th, Thursday, July 12th, we're going to be in Salt Lake City at the downtown Wise Guys. You can get tickets already at wiseguyscomedy.com. And that actually kicks off a little tour for me and Jessa. We're going to go on the road together for a couple weeks. Uh, we're going to go to Washington and Oregon. And then we wrap up in Idaho. At Liquid Laughs? Liquid or is it just Liquid now? I don't know. I'm going to call it Liquid Laughs because it sounds too weird to tell people I'm performing comedy <laughs> at a place called Liquid. <laughs> Liquid does not sound like that. Uh, That's not a, a, a word that I associate with comedy, you know? But laughs. There you go. Yeah. But Liquid Laughs in Boise, July 20th, 21st, 22nd. We're going to be there. I think you can get tickets at their website already as well. And uh, for the in-between, if you live in Washington or, you know, northern Oregon, go ahead and look at uh, mormonmethhead.com or our Facebook page, and you can get more information on all our tour dates there. Listen to the good voices. <laughs> Mormon and the Method will be back next week. See you guys there. If you put a Mormon and a Method together, this is what they sound like. Aaron Woodall and just a read our friends. Listen to them talking to Mike. Searching for just the right job? Whether you're looking for full-time, part-time, or seasonal work, you can get started today. Amazon Jobs offers the whole package with great pay and flexible shifts that allow you to choose when and how much you work. Find a warehouse close to home and discover the role that works for you. To get your application started for an hourly job, go to Amazon.com slash apply. That's Amazon.com slash apply. Amazon is proud to be an equal opportunity employer.